You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. Alrighty, daddy. Today on the podcast, I have two major goals. Number one, we've got a lot of information floating around out there that I would just like to try to clean up. I I usually, I kind of like this stuff, but I hate it at the same time because there isn't a way to really do just a sort of a cohesive sweep you know a nice clean little here's some nfl news here's nfc north news here's packers news here's my thoughts on all these things you guys have a great day it's like here's a pile of stats and they're they're really interesting but they're kind of just all over the place and it's kind of just a big list and you can just kind of read them or you cannot but i want to it's 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 a big part of it is I'm still trying to get my bearings. You could probably tell that. If you've been listening to me the last couple days, I'm I'm all over the place. You know, like the defense was bad, but they look good week one. But maybe it was it. But maybe the Falcons. But also the stats are not bad, but some of the stats are bad. And Jordan Love, like, well, somebody might be the worst. He might be the best. He could be somewhere in between. I'm not sure. You know? <laughs> but by slowly combing through, like I'm 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 you just sort of bathe yourself in these things over and over and, and, and it helps you to dig deeper into it, like, you know, CPOE. I know it's a good stat. I know it's not a be all end all, there is no such thing. And Jordan Love is a perfect case study as to why no one stat is perfect, because you can't simultaneously be the best and the worst quarterback in the NFL. That's not possible. But two very good stats are saying that. So that forces you to dig deeper into it and understanding it. Okay, so here's some potential flaws which could be under-inflating or, or, you know, giving a, an overly negative view. And here's some ways that EPA can be wrong, and maybe that's why it's over-inflating Jordan Love. So it's, it's a good learning experience. I just, I don't like generally coming into the show going, hey man, I don't know, but let's see if we can figure stuff, some stuff out together. I like coming in and being like, check out what I know. <laughs> Bet you didn't know this. I mean, I'm still going to do that with the stats because you didn't know them, but um, yeah. I mean, it's just, again, it's just, it's just information for all of us so that, because again, we, we way too easily just throw some random stuff out, you know, cut AJ Dillon, go get a free agent, fire Joe Barry, problem solved. It's like, I mean, maybe you might be right, but a lot of it is just gut reactions. So let's take a look at all the information 
Let's all just take it in ourselves. I'll give you, as I think of things, I'll tell you, and you don't have to adopt what I think, but just take what you currently think, add in what I have to tell you, and, and kind of see what happens to your thoughts on things. Because I'm, I'm not going to sit here and tell you what to think, because I don't know what to think right now. Later on, I will give you my thoughts, and I will tell you that you're wrong if you disagree, which, you know, who cares what I think anyways, but I'm just telling you that's going to happen. But for now, it's the freaking Wild West out there. I don't know. The other goal for today is to continue mocking the NFC North, and I know we've spent an inordinate amount of time talking about the Bears, because they deserve it, because they've been D-bags. I went out of my way today. Um, shout out to Mr. Steve Cook on Twitter. Uh, slap happy cookie. I never noticed that was your handle before. I've never read it. I just, I see Steve Cook and I recognize the picture every time. I never noticed you are at slap happy cookie. That's hilarious. But he's constantly pumping us full of new information. He's listening to all the bod podcasts and sending them, sending us everything he finds. I try to do my best to listen to it. Sometimes I miss out, but he found me a gem today. He is in Detroit. So he has a lot of the scoop on the Detroit Lions stuff more so than I do. So I didn't know things actually that bad in Detroit. I, I wouldn't have thought that. I mean, I know it's not great. You're not super thrilled. Um, but I genuinely would have thought things are kind of mediocre, kind of fine. Apparently, that's not the case. Enjoy. I'd prefer to not be here right now. <clears throat> Welcome in. I just, you know, people, I thought we were done with it. I thought we were done with having to lower our expectations, but that's where I'm at. It's a beautiful day here in Detroit. It's it's a beautiful life. But I, I have to tell you, I have to lower my expectations for this team because they're not ready for it. Mm. They're not ready to deliver on what I thought they were ready to deliver on. Because yesterday was unforgivable. That was as rat, <laughs> sloppy, nonsense a performance as you're going to see. Ten days rest, coming home, a team coming to town who has no playmakers up front and has street-free agents at both tackle spots, you hit the quarterback one time. This team went out and made mistakes that they just don't make. And whether it's, I got a real problem with one of the fourth downs, but that's fine. The fumble to come out of the half to flip the game on its ear. This defense on third down able to do nothing Nothing. And Rico's BFF, Geno Smith, beats us again. <laughs> no. And now, I got to be honest. I got to be honest. People, I am terrified because the injuries this team incurred in this game and David Montgomery, you find out James Houston's going to be out till November. It's clear Aiden's not good enough to do it by, by himself. It's exactly what I told you. Aiden's a good player. He ain't Nick Bosa. And if you want to cry about the holding call, call a different show. Mm -mm. No. Because part of the expectation of being a great team, you overcome. Part, you know, oh, oh you didn't cry about Juwan Taylor because you overcame it. Don't distill this game into one thing because to me, they had a chance to put this team away. They didn't do it. Atlanta looks better. Green Bay looks like they're better than we expected. And now, I got to be honest, it, it, it's like an on the brink week for me. Because I have to lower them, Rico, from this idea of being a threat to San Francisco and Philly, and I got to downgrade them. That loss really bothered me. It really hurt me. It disappointed me. And that's where I start the week. I'm super bummed out, man. I, I just can't believe they found a way to lose that game. So again, I'm, I'm, I'm a little surprised that it's that doom and gloom, but I understand if you're a Lions fan, it's probably similar to the Chicago Bears. 
insofar as you believe, you believe, you believe, you believe, but it is just paper thin because you've been hurt so many times. That strong conviction is more desperation than like genuine belief. And as soon as you see a glimpse of something not great, and, and it means Seattle looked pretty good, and they, they got some weapons. I mean, they, they, they've got a lot of issues, but, you know, they've they got a quarterback that can perform. They've got one of the better wide receiver groups in football. That's probably about it, but still, you know, they can score some points. And so, um, I don't know. I, I, I wouldn't be super down. I mean, I guess if you really thought you were, like, Super Bowl contenders, but why would you think that? I mean, what's so much better than what you were last year? I mean, last year you got off to a hot start. You seem certainly like a playoff team. I mean, you, you I shouldn't say you got off to a hot start. It's the opposite of that. You, you ended on a strong note. Um, you still have a lot of problems on defense. That should be apparent to you. You still only have the one wide receiver and really no tight ends. I mean, I know you drafted a guy, but it might take some time. And what, what do you want? I mean, Jared Goff is a mid-quarterback. You got one receiver. Everybody else is trash. You got no tight ends. You have a good offensive line. You have one pass rusher on your defensive front, and that's it. Your corners are about as average as you can get. Safety is about the same. In fact, I don't know if you have one elite player on your defense. I mean, Aiden Hutchinson is probably trending in that way. I don't even know what he's been doing this year, but if you look at how good he was as a rookie, you could assume that perhaps he could be that guy. Let's take a look real quick. Oh, my good Lord. (laughs) 66 overall grade, 50 run defense, 29 tackling, 72 pass rush. Um, he does have 13 pressures on 88 attempts, though, which is pretty impressive. And evenly distributed, too, so it's not like a fluky one-game thing. He had seven pressures on 42 attempts and then six pressures on 46 attempts. So pressures are, are off to a good start, but no sacks, which can be frustrating because, you know, you can generate a pressure and then, you know, Geno Smith breaks the pocket and throws a 15-yard pass, and that's going to kind of stick in your craw a little bit. In fact, 10 of those 13 were just hurries. Only three were hits and none were sacks. Sue. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you, Lions fans. I mean, be grateful that you have a team that is probably good enough to get to the playoffs, but it's going to be a grind. Even in this garbage division, what appears to be a terrible division, you're going to have to gut it out. Not with the Bears, but with the Packers and the Vikings. I mean, it, it right now, if I had to guess, it's going to be a little bit of a three-way slugfest. Maybe a race to the bottom, to be honest. We will see, but um, I'm happy. I'm happy that Lions fans are breaking down. I mean, and, and Again, they're hurting the same reason Bears fans are. They overhype themselves. Don't set such stupid expectations. You missed the playoffs last year, man. Your goal should be let's win one more game, see if we can maybe get into the, win the division, not necessarily because we're going to win 13 games, but because the, the Vikings were frauds. If we can win 10 games and win the division with 10 games and get into the playoffs with, with, with 10 games, then maybe we can hold our breath and cross our fingers for one win in the playoffs. But I don't want to get greedy, man. This year it's about please, 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 can we just limp into the playoffs? I don't care if we're second in the division and we get into the playoffs. Just please let us get into the division. I'll tell you what, actually, even if we win the division, well, it's, I was going to say win the division and don't get in. That's not possible. Somebody has to get in. But even if it was just win the division as, as a goal, that's a heck of a goal. Even if you get knocked out of the playoffs right away because you suck, hey, you won the division and you got into the playoffs, that is that is quite a thing. But Vikings fans set such high expectations that after beating the Chiefs and then losing to a team that, again, scores a good amount of points, especially against your trash piece of garbage defense, which shouldn't surprise anybody, especially fans that know a lot about the team, uh, I feel like you should be not quite as suicidal as you seem to be. But again, I'm, I'm 100% okay with that. All right, let's, uh, let's bounce to something else here. 
couple of next-gen stats statistics here. These are always fun. They've got some advanced metrics and whatnot. Uh, we got average separation. Right now in this past game, Josiah DeGuara was number one, 5.88 yards of separation on average. Tight ends usually do really well. However, Musgrave, 3.5. Romeo Dobbs was at 4.07, Jaden Reed 3.1, Dontavian Wicks 0.99. This kind of goes to what I was saying, and I haven't gone back and watched it yet. I feel like Wicks was blanketed the entire game, and for a guy that's got elite route running skills just breaking people's ankles, I didn't see that. And again, somebody, I won't mention who because it's not super important and I don't want to start an issue, but they posted a highlight clip of him and like, oh, this guy's got the some serious route running, and I'm watching it, I'm like, that was trash, bro. Like, that was the worst cut I've ever seen in my life. His arm is like randomly flailing and the defender was not even slightly, I mean, he just, he just very easily just stayed with him the whole time. I have no idea what you're looking at, but yeah, the league wide average is 2.94 yards of separation. He had 0.99 yards. He still did a great job. It was, it was contested catches, which the Packers seemed to do a, a pretty decent job of. He came through with a contested catch and broke a tackle and got a touchdown. Of course, I'm happy with that. I'm just saying if, if he's not able to get separation, we cannot expect that level of to continue, especially as Romeo Dobbs gets reacclimated, Jaden Reed continues to ascend, and Christian Watson comes back. Wicks is going to fall into obscurity if he can't kind of step it up a little bit and get some separation. Defensive pass rush, average separation from the quarterback. So how far away for, were you from the quarterback when he threw the ball? League-wide average is 4.56. Rashawn Gary was actually 5.28. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give him a little bit of slack here, and he got killed on this, but... Remember that play where he tried to get Bijan Robinson and the quarterback ran around? I'm just saying maybe there's some concern about staying back. But anyways, 5.28 yards, very uncharacteristic for Rashawn Gary. Devontae Wyatt, slightly better than league average at 4.45. Kenny Clark, 4.21. And then the best was Preston Smith, about four yards away from the quarterback when he threw the ball. For reference, the uh, Falcons' best was Grady Jarrett at 4.49. We had three defenders better than that. Uh, fastest player in this game was Jaden Reed. He hit 20.54 miles per hour. I'm sure he's got more speed than that too, but that was just on those particular plays. Fastest sack was Rashawn Gary at 4.8 seconds. One other thing I really wanted to look at because we're really hung up on um, AJ Dillon and his performance. So I want to look at a couple things. They've got a bunch of cool statistics here um, that I think could potentially be useful. Number one is running back efficiency. So this is, how many yards did you run for every one yard you gained? So it's counting every single yard. That means running laterally and everything else. A.J. Dillon is the eighth worst efficiency. Now this can be because of the offensive line. He has to run side to side a lot to be able to get a yard. The, the actual number is 5.45 yards. For, so for every five and a half yards he runs, he gains a yard. That's not super great. I, I, I'm not saying that's an A.J. Dillon problem. It may be. It could also be an offensive line problem. Because again, if you're supposed to run through a hole and the hole's not there, you now have to run sideline to sideline. Looking at percentage of the time, there's eight defenders in the box. For A.J. Dillon, it is 25% of the time. I'm not going to count. They don't actually number these, but I would guess about that ranks about 20th. Um, the highest is Derrick Henry at 50%. So it's not... Uh, I would. I mean, it's pretty much right in the middle as far as between the the highs and the lows that's that's right there then they have average time behind the line of scrimmage um aj Dillon again is well he's actually one of the lowest he is the seventh lowest which means the seventh fastest at just getting beyond the line of scrimmage which seems counterintuitive to the efficiency thing because you would assume a lot of that inefficiency happens behind the line of scrimmage but it sounds like they're 
almost making it because he's really quick getting to the line of scrimmage. But then I guess he's doing a lot of juking and jiving beyond that. I have no idea, but I guess that's a good thing. Here's where we get to what I was really interested in, and that is rushing yards, cumulative rushing yards over expected. AJ Dillon is the third worst. Now remember, I don't. These calculations aren't necessarily perfect, and there can be issues and these kinds of things. AJ Dillon right now is the third worst ahead of only Rashad White and Cam Akers at negative 33 yards, which is to say, when you look at how many yards that they projected he would get, and then the amount of yards he actually got, there's a difference of 33 yards sitting there. That is a uh, rushing yards over expected per attempt of minus 1.22 yards. So he is actually at 2.6 yards per attempt. If you look at the RYOE, he should be at, what, 3.82 yards per attempt, which is still slightly below his average, which would make sense because the offensive line looks bad. He's, at, he's like a 4.4 average guy. They're saying he should be at about 3.8, and he's at 2.6 yards per attempt. And that, that really is the question, right? The, the, the question comes down to, is it him or is it the offensive line? Now, it could be similar to the passing yards over expected, where anytime you have somebody that's in a tough situation, they're going to end up with, with more negatives than positives because they're not being given opportunities. All right, give A.J. Dillon a, a hole to run through. He's going to break a tackle, and that uh, everything after that is an overexpected situation. So it might not be entirely fair, but, but I mean, again, according to this metric, yes, the offensive line is, is not great. Again, even the expected average is relatively low. So they're looking at this saying, yeah, he probably should only get about 3.8 yards per attempt, which is not very good. But that's all he's getting from the offensive line. But he's not even getting three yards per carry. Now, if you want to dispute it, it's fine, and you can. And I'm sure there's plenty of reason to, but it's the best metric that I have to answer the very specific question that we're asking. <laughs> Looking at wide receivers real quick. The uh, separation, lowest separation in the NFL is Dontavian Wicks at one yard. The second lowest is Michael Thomas at 1.7 yards, pushing two yards. And it's actually less than one yard. We saw what it was. They rounded up to a yard. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, my eyes weren't lying to me. That dude had zero separation. The second highest separation in the NFL is actually Luke Musgrave, despite not being super high in uh, in week two. He's 5.2 yard average separation. However, Dontavian Wicks is leading the NFL in um, expected yards after the catch above expectation because he you know broke that one reception and got himself a touchdown at plus 0.75. So take that world. All right, one final thing here that I wanted to bring up as far as looking at some of these, st- I mean, we got more stats, but just, you know, whatever. Before we move on to laughing at people, actually we'll take a break and then laugh at people. I've been kind of jostling back and forth on this Jordan Love thing. And my biggest fear, as I've already mentioned several times, is the concern that when you look at where Jordan Love is number one in the NFL, and then when you look at where Jordan Love is number 32 in the NFL, I feel like the number 32 is more reproducible, which is inaccuracy, as opposed to staying this good all the time. However, there are some issues with the CPOE, and I've already talked to you about what some of them are. Wendell Ferreira uh, tweeted this, and I feel like Wendell and I have been on the same wavelength for a while now. Like Every time I'm thinking something, he tweets it. I'm like, yes, I needed that. How did you know what I needed? He said, Jordan Love is 32nd in completion percentage over expected. Obviously, that's a problem. He says, which is not good whatsoever. But he's 30th in expected completion percentage, which means he hasn't thrown many easy passes. So he's he's obviously less likely to complete the passes because he's throwing really hard passes. I have some more to back that up. 
According to Next Gen Stats, the most aggressive quarterback in the NFL is Jordan Love. Let me read to you what aggressiveness percentage means. Aggressiveness tracks the amount of passing attempts a quarterback makes that are into tight coverage where there is a defender within one yard or less of the receiver at the time of completion or incompletion. AGG is known is shown as a percentage of attempts into tight windows over all passing attempts. Jordan Love is 25%. 25%. So yes, your completions are going to be less than, you know, whenever even if you look at a, a, a raw number of his completion percentage being low, which is also not good and, and highly correlates to completion percentage over expected because, again, they use completion percentage, which I don't think that they should, but they do. They should look at things like expected completion percentage, whatever, doesn't matter. The point is, you're expected to complete less passes when 25% of your passes are really difficult passes. I bring this up because it's good news insofar as this this is not all things being equal, he's the least accurate passer. Which makes sense because you're watching it and it's like, he doesn't feel like he's really inaccurate. Like, he misses that one or two passes per game that you wish he could have hit. And, and I feel like that's relatively normal to miss a handful of passes. I mean, nobody hits every single pass, right? I know Rodgers didn't. So why are the stats so bad? And I think part of it is just a lot of these passes are tough. They're really difficult. And again, the pass to Dontavian Wicks, which he dropped, and granted there was a penalty anyways, but it doesn't matter. The pass that he dropped is considered an incomplete pass. Even though the, ex the, the percentage chance of completing it is low, it doesn't matter. That completely flips the statistic if he just catches it. That's a wide receiver issue. I'm not saying all of it is. I'm, I'm, what I'm saying is... The stat looks really bad, but there actually is reason to believe that this is going to get better. And one of the things that they can do, should do, will do, probably, is find easier opportunities. And, and as we've also pointed out, throwing these screen passes has, has been a complete failure. Remember, Aaron Rodgers, toward the end, he threw like more passes behind the line of scrimmage than basically anybody. We've, had, we've drawn up like two or three of those, and they are getting blown up behind the line of scrimmage. And I think it has to do with like the defense is kind of teeing off and all that stuff, so... What I'm saying is, as this starts to evolve and as we start to open up more things, you give Jordan a little bit more of an easy opportunity. Because right now, he's just hammering these, like, 12-yard passes, which is fine. But, you know, most of the league is hitting a bunch of little dump-off passes. I'm not trying to pick on Rodgers. I mean, everybody does it. Jordan kind of can't. I mean, he has. He's hit on a couple, but it's just not really working. It's not really clicking right now. And if he were a in a standard offense making standard throws to standard guys there would be more completions and this statistic would not be as bad as it is that isn't to say that he isn't struggling with accuracy but it is to say that i think it is significantly worse than the statistic is painting at this particular point in time anyways let's take a break patreon.com forward slash back underscore daddy that's not what i meant to say but uh yeah if you want to support me that'd be great i do have a uh, q a set up in there so if you have any questions for the show please jump in there and then also uh, the ability to ask if you wanted me to uh, watch a player or whatever, because I need to get on that and watch a couple guys in, in review. I already definitely want to watch Jordan Love and A.J. Dillon, but if you have any other thoughts, let me know. Uh, what I meant to say, OldSouthernBBQ.com. Check out Old Southern Barbecue's barbecue rubs and barbecue sauces. They are award-winning. This is fantastic stuff. And just for our listeners, you can get 15% off by using promo code PACKERNET15, capital P, capital N, PACKERNET15. Do yourself a favor. Just go to OldSouthernBBQ.com. Just take a look at them. Check out the prices. Really cheap. Everybody can use a bottle of barbecue sauce. I don't care if you don't have a grill, if you don't cook. You, you use barbecue sauce. Get you a bottle of barbecue sauce. Crazy good. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. 
In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. It's over. It's over. What's over? It's over. The Justin Fields era? It's over. He's not the guy. It, it's it's bad. It's probably the, the like most disheartening, heartbreaking realization to be like, I put all my blind faith into this. I, I spent all summer being like, this is going to be awesome. He's awesome. The Bears have never had a quarterback this awesome. Nothing looks good, and every problem that I knew in the back of my head was there has jumped up. He has not made any of the steps forward that you wanted as a passer that I was hoping for this year, and I now officially think it's over. Yeah, but it might not be. Remember how good he looked on that first drive? Of course, he could, like, maybe things change and the rest of the year looks incredible and this is the lowest point of the season. But the Bears have lost 12 straight games. They have not won a game since October 24th. They're a bad team. They're a bad franchise. They're never going to have the right quarterback. It just sucks. It's all over. They're going to find a way, even with two first-round picks, to have us not get Drake May or Caleb Williams. Uh, or one of those guys will suck because the Bears will always have a sucky quarterback. It's over. It's I'm back to just the, the bottom of the bottom. The it, It's over. What did I tell you guys? They're not broken yet because they still believe in Justin Fields. They still, I think, believe in Eberflus, and they still believe in Poles. I think now they're basically broken. Now, they still believe in Poles. I don't know if they believe in Eberflus. I doubt it. Their defense is complete trash. They can say, well, it's because of this, that, or the other. You know, they don't have the players giving some time. It doesn't really matter. They despise their offensive coordinator, and by some extension, you have to blame your head coach for some of the failures of this team, some of the things that are going on. Again, buck stops here. That's on you, buddy, right? nothing is working, everything is stupid, nothing makes sense. Um, now, maybe they'll find a way to um, get excited again. After everybody gets fired, they bring in a new staff, and Poles gets a quarterback. And Poles, Now, this is Poles' team. This is Poles' guy. Poles is this. Da, 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 da. And that may happen. I mean, they, they may be on a downswing this year, and then they draft Caleb Williams or Drake May, and they're back up on a high. 
Now, it would be hilarious if they draft Drake May number one overall with Caleb Williams sitting there, even if that ends up being the right decision, because I'm positive they're going to spiral immediately if that happens, because that's, oh, it's going to be funny. It may be horrible, but hilarious for at least a little while. But I do think that they're officially broken. Somehow, Detroit fans are kind of broken. Packer fans are cracking, which I'm, I'm, I'm begging you to hold strong, because everybody else is freaking out, and if we can be the one franchise that can, like, lose and not panic that says a lot about us as a franchise and as as fa- as a fan base because lions fans and bears fans and even vikings fans should have some familiarity with not being good enough and surprisingly the two teams that are that are the worst by a mile are the two teams that seem to be handling this the worst but that's it not that they officially have given up on justin fields not everybody but they're pretty much done with him they've finally figured it out which is both satisfying and also annoying because it's like you fought me so hard you fought every single thing that i brought to bear and now you listen to big cat here from pardon my take say all the stuff that i knew in the back of my brain started happening so they they knew the whole time they knew they didn't hate pff the way they pretend to hate pff they just hated what pff was saying which is not what they wanted to believe They knew that it was true. They knew that you're not going to be an elite quarterback with garbage PFF grades and garbage statistics and almost every single passing stat that you can find in existence unless you say, well, look at his, uh, um, what the heck is that, Uh, QBR from week 7 to week 14. Yeah, well, first of all, QBR incorporates running. Second of all, that's the tiny little patch in which the the Bears were actually good. And it wasn't even that whole patch. It's kind of like half bad, half good, but it looks like a bigger stretch, so it doesn't look like we're cherry-picking quite as much, even though we obviously are because we cut the season in half. And not in a logical way, like first half, second half, but like a slightly askew middle-of-the-season half. They knew. They always knew. Bunch of freaking liars. But it's fine, because, again, because I, I, I'm a freaking prophet. I don't know if you knew that. I told you that this confidence was fake, that they didn't believe it, and that they were setting themselves up to be in much more pain by choosing to take the tack that they were taking, by choosing to go down the path that they chose to go down, which is believing and fighting and scratching and clawing. It's just going to make it hurt even more. And they lived in a land of delusion. And man, does it hurt when you break free from delusion. It's like that scene from Step Brothers where they're sleepwalking and you're not supposed to wake them up. Reality just woke them up from their little sleepwalking dream. And they're currently freaking out and thrashing and attacking everybody, which is themselves and each other and the team. It's not us. They, they, they won't even talk to us. And ha- the only Bears fans that talk to me now are ones that mostly very politely and slightly annoyedly agree. Like, yeah, you're a douche, but you were right. He sucks. I don't care. Whatever. Screw this team. Like, all right, well, welcome back. Good to see you. I haven't seen you in a few years uh, since the Trubisky days. It's good to have you back, though. By the way, Trubisky was a much better quarterback. Not sure that's even debatable at this point. He was better prior to this year. And I actually looked at it. The The, the point that I wanted to make about Fields is he's always been this bad. It was just the, the running was just hiding it. Turns out, no, he's actually gotten worse two years in a row. Last year, he was worse than the year before, despite everybody saying he took a big jump. He took a big leap. No, he didn't. He went backwards. He's going backwards again. So if we look at Justin Fields, he had a 60.8 passing grade as a rookie. He had a 54.4 passing grade in 2022, and so far he has a 47 passing grade. 60, 54, 47. This guy is horrendous. 
How do you keep getting worse? And then you got guys pulling up college stats, which I always laugh at before, but this one actually kind of made a decent point, showing that he didn't have the problems that he's having now, like his footwork. You know, everybody's pointing out how slow he is in his drops. Like, why are you so slow? Like, let's go. Somebody showed a clip of him at Ohio State, and it was like, boom, 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 throw. It was like super quick, super... It's like, what has happened to this guy? The Bears literally broke this guy. They they freaking shattered him. And it's the only thing that gives me hope moving forward, because they're probably going to get May or Caleb Williams. And as somebody called in and, and pointed out before, I'm not kidding, draft both of them. If you're the Bears and you've literally never had a good quarterback in your life, take both who freaking cares? Do you think anybody... Nobody's even going to call you stupid. You think the people on the, on the freaking telecast are going to be like, oh, that's a terrible... They're going to say, you know what? Actually, that's genius. Because you know what? It is. I mean, granted, it would be better to just make a good evaluation and develop a guy. But you know what? I'm taking both. I'm taking both. And we're going to figure it out. And one of these guys better be great. And you know what would be great? If they took both and they both sucked. Oh, my God. Uh, oh, can you imagine... There, there would be nothing better on planet Earth. They would have to dissolve the franchise. If they drafted both quarterbacks, and imagine they started with... Let's say they started with Drake May. Let's just say for the heck of it. They're like, you know, Drake's just a little bit ahead of time, uh, ahead of things right now, and we'll see how it goes. Because, you know, Caleb's more talented, but maybe he needs more development and refinement. I don't know. I'm just making stuff up. And so the plan... Everybody kind of assumes, like, Bears fans are like, dude, Drake's going to come in, tear it up. But you know what? Caleb, when he develops after about a year, he's going to take over next year. He'll be like the next Pat Mahomes. Imagine Drake is so trash, then they bring in Caleb and he sucks, and they just have to keep bouncing him back and forth throughout the year. <laughs> oh, I just... I, en I enjoy thinking of things. That franchise, man. What a horrible... Freaking horrible franchise. Uh, his completion percentage is 60.6%. That's on par with what it was last year. Big-time throw percentage is down to 2.9%. He had 6.1% as a rookie. That plummeted to 3.8, and now down to 2.9. Turnover-worthy play percentage went from 3.7 to 4.4, now 4.5. His average depth of target went from 10.1 to 9.5 to 5.3. His time to throw remains extremely high. It's it's It went uh, up and then down back down a little bit, but it's still over three all three years. And his... <laughs> uh, his NFL passer rating is a 70.7, which is uh, the worst he's ever had, but not by much because he's just always been kind of bad. 70.7. That's so bad. Why is he so bad? Why are you bad, Justin? You got DJ Moore. Did you throw it to him? I think he has been. DJ Moore's been pretty good, right? Let me take a look. I think Moore's actually been really good. Probably better than I even said he was going to be. Uh, let's see. Receiving grade. Where's my man's DJ Moore? Let's uh, get rid of some of these guys. I don't know. He ranks 38th as far as his PFF grade. Uh, that's his receiving grade. DJ Moore, where are you at? 37th. So... Yeah, he's still outside of the top 32, which I was told wasn't going to be a thing, but he seemed to pick it up in week two. Six targets, six receptions, 104 yards, 76.9 PFF grade. So he has an overall grade of 69, uh, receiving grade of 69, you know, something. Yak. I wonder how he's doing with the yak, man. Is he like number number one by a mile with yak? We should check out his yak, bro. He's such a yakker. Dude, he's, he's so yak. Heck yeah, DJ Moore. 7.3 yards, yak. It's not exactly number one, it's not top 10, but he's 15th. Dang. 
right behind Deontay Hardy and ahead of Kadarius Tony. That is just elite status right there, bro. Yak monster. Hoo-wee. I mean, he's no, he, he's no Duntavian Wicks, I'll tell you that. But he's someday he'll get there. Someday he'll get there. Duntavian Wicks is ten yards after the catch per reception, but. You know, I mean, you can't really compare. And plus, he's better as far as his overall grade than Dontavian Wicks is. He's not as good as Romeo Dobbs or Jaden Reed. Um, you know, as far as his PFF grade goes. But um, still, he's super great, and we love him, and he's special. He's so special. He's so good. Man, he's good. Dude is 24th in yards with no touchdowns. Let Poles cook, son. Let Poles cook. Who needs a first-round pick, bro? We got DJ Moore, Yak Monster. He's fifteenth in Yak, twenty-thirds and twenty-third in yards after yards per reception. Are you kidding me? This guy's dope. That's almost Alan Lazard good. DJ Moore is the goat. And anybody that thinks that you would rather have a first round, uh, uh, excuse me, not a first round pick, the number one pick in football over DJ Moore, the Yak Monster, you're a freaking idiot. Okay? You're an idiot. You're stupid. You don't know ball. Watch the tape, son. What do you think? Receivers that have 129 yards just fall out of the trees? No. DJ Moore has 129 yards. Guess who else has 129 yards? Nobody. Not a single receiver in the NFL has 129 yards. 131? Yeah, Robert Woods has that. 133? Yeah, Calvin Ridley and, and rookie Jordan Addison. Sure, of course. Devontae Adams has 150, even getting knocked out. George Pickens has 163. Stephon Diggs, 168. I mean, Keenan Allen has 187. Nico Collins has 226. Frickin' Puka Nakua has 266. Justin Jefferson has over 300. But guess what? Only one guy has 129, and that's DJ Moore. And you wanted us to keep our number one overall pick. And do what? And do what? What, get C.J. Stroud, because he's, he's also Ohio State, and he has, you know, more completions and a higher completion percentage, and he has 626 yards compared to our 427, and he has two touchdowns and no interceptions compared to two touchdowns and three interceptions, two of which went as a pick six. What, because he has a 60.2 passing grade compared to our 48.7? What, because he has a turnover-worthy play percentage of 2.6 compared to 4.5? Because his average depth of target is better? Because his adjusted completion percentage is better? Because his passer rating is better? Because his time to throw is better? What, you think we should have just taken a, a, a quarterback because he's better? You're an idiot. We don't need a quarterback. We need a wide receiver to unlock our quarterback and make him elite. You're so stupid, dude. You don't even know ball. What are we going to do? Draft Will Anderson? Uh, Will Anderson. That's stupid. Guy that already has almost a 14% pressure rate through two weeks when we have nothing on our defensive line whatsoever. Nope. Don't need that. That's stupid. That's for idiots only. Bro, we got Darnell Mooney and an elite right tackle. Elite right tackle. What do you? Is that what you have? I don't think so. Do we got like the 35th best wide receiver and an elite right tackle who's barely given up seven pressures already? Which yeah is tied for the 12th most. Big freaking deal. Cry about it. And yeah, he's technically ranked 35th among offensive tackles. Like whatever. 32nd, actually. I mean, if you filter out people that haven't played, hello, 
welcome to the world, 32nd, 32 teams, can you do math? And yeah, I mean, as a pass blocker, he's 48th, but that's not our identity. We're a rushing team, idiot. 10th, ble- 10th best run blocker, ever heard of it? God, you guys are so stupid. You don't know anything. DJ Moore, Darnell Wright, Super Bowl. Figure it out, idiot. Dude, let Poles cook, man. Dude, he's cooking so much right now. And you think that's all he did, by the way? Do you think that's all he did? No, that's not all he did. He fixed this entire offensive line. I don't know if you knew that. He didn't just get the best rookie in the world to play right tackle, which we've just established, thank you very much. But we also got big Nate Davis. Nate Davis is playing right guard. And by the way, there were some idiot Packer fans. You're not going to believe this. Complete freaking moron reject Packer fans who actually thought Sam Mustafer would be a better player than Nate Davis. I'm not even kidding you. Dude, hello, wake up call. Sam Mustafer ranked as the 18th best center in football. Trash. Garbage. 65 run blocking grade and a 55 pass blocking grade. Basically the worst in football ever. Probably in the since the inception of football, he's maybe the biggest piece of garbage that's ever been. Allow me to introduce to you the one, the only, Nathaniel Davis. Where does he rank? Like 18th or something stupid? Nope. Try 61st. Oh, 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 you think that's bad? Probably because, again, you care about pass blocking. Check out his 58 run blocking grade, son. He's not even 61st anymore. Try 37th, stupid. Oh, let me guess. You want to talk about pass blocking again? Um, okay. It's a 26.8. Fine. It's like the sixth worst pass blocking grade in the entire NFL. It's only slightly worse than what you get from Cody Whitehair at 66th, who was supposed to be better when we moved him back to guard, because he is, by the way, let polls cook. But it doesn't matter, bro. 26.8 pass blocking grade is subjective, okay? Some people don't like 26. I like 26. I had a great time when I was 26 years old. I was hammered the whole time. It was a party. Maybe you were a freaking nerd when you were 26. That's a you problem, son. You probably want to be, what, 90 and, like, pooping on yourself? You're an idiot. Let polls cook, son. Nate Davis has barely given up nine pressures this season. Almost didn't give up nine pressures. Cody Whitehair barely gave up nine pressures and two sacks. He almost didn't. Now, is that like, you know, the second worst in football? Yeah, but there's two guys, Mark Lewinsky and Chandler Zavala. Everybody knows those guys. They gave up 10 pressures. So it ain't that bad. So you don't know anything. You're an idiot. Let polls cook. We have also, by the way, an elite linebacker. I don't know, maybe you've heard of him. His name is Tremaine Edmonds. He had an 82 PFF grade last year. He's now a Chicago Bear. He was the fifth highest graded linebacker in football last year. So, Poles is just cooking so much soup, dude. And like this year, I don't even worry about it. I didn't, what did I just, what did I just say? I said he was fifth last year. You asked so many stupid questions. God, you, One, two, three, four, five. That's it. That's like really close to being the number one linebacker in football last year. Why you need to know, fine, 44th with a 66th grade, which is closer to what he's been the rest of his career. But I, it doesn't matter. He's just warming up, son. It doesn't matter. Why do you, why does it matter what he does this year? It matters what he did last year because last year is the reason we brought him in. We didn't bring him in for this year. We brought him in for what he did last year. What do you think, we bring him in because of the future, which nobody can see, you idiot? 
How could anybody know that he would regress back to what he's always been? That's idiotic. We also brought in TJ Edwards. He was the sixth best linebacker. So, oh, I don't know, the fifth and the sixth best. Maybe that's the best in football. Maybe, maybe that's the best linebacking duo in the world. And why are they here? That's so crazy. I thought everybody hated it here. You know why? Because Poles walks around with his collar up. Son, what do you know about that? How about a quarterback with six-pack abs? Get a life. You think you know about the Bears? You don't know. This is the team right here. And yes, he's ranked currently 51st with a 63 grade, which is like the worst he's ever had in his career. Doesn't matter, bro. Idiot. Oh, but do you think that's all he did? Nope, that's not all he did. Because we're talking about polls, son. Do you understand he had $100 million? He could do anything in the world. And he's just cooking out there. He also brought in Yannick. Ngakwe. Some people call him Yannick because they're idiot Packer fans. His name is pronounced Yannick Ngakwe. And how is he doing? Oh, I don't know. He's like our best pass rusher, bro. You moron. How do you think he's doing? Oh, there's 107 edge rushers. I bet he's 107th because he's the worst. I'm a stupid Packer fan. Nope. He's not 107th. He's 102nd. Suck on that, cheese face. Run your mouth some more. See how that works out for you. Oh, and by the way, I don't know, maybe you forgot we traded a second-round pick for Chase Claypool, which is basically a first-round pick. Ended up being the 32nd pick, and he's playing like a first-round pick, by the way. He ranks 97th. Uh, is that a high number? I think it is. How high do you rank? Suck it. That's just free agents. I'm just getting warmed up, bro. I'm just getting warmed up. You can't touch what I'm cooking right here. Because Poles made it. We didn't just have a first-round pick. We had a second-round pick. Yeah, you didn't think we could do that, did you? Neither did we. Turns out, you don't have to give away all your picks for trash. You can keep them and picks, pick guys. Second-round pick, Tyreek Stevenson, corner, boom. Locked down the right side of the line with that first pick. Cooking poles. Second pick, bang. Number two, elite cornerback. Now we got locked down cornerbacks across the board. How's he doing? He's cooking. I mean, not yet, but he will be. 48.5 grade, but he's going to cook so much cooking of the things that you won't even believe it. Man, he's cooking. There's so much cooking going on, dude. Dude, Braxton Jones was a slam dunk. He's like the 42nd best tackle right now. Darnell Mooney, back from injury. Oh, you thought he was bad last year. Oh, yeah, he's just trash. Dude, he's not trash. He was hurt, you stupid moron. That's why he's back to being really good now. He's 70th. Cole Komet's cooking. He's 21st among tight ends, which there aren't many of them, but still, that's that's a that's a that's not super far from one. Like if you had to peel 20, 21 potatoes, how long would it take until you had one potato left? It wouldn't take that long. It's not that far. Dude, everybody's talking about Bijan Robinson. We got Bijan Robinson's backup, Roshan Johnson. Nobody wants to talk about him. It's ridiculous that nobody's talking about this guy. He's the 21st best running back in football, bro. He's got a 68 PFF grade. Let Poles cook, son. So much cooking. Oh. oh, and don't forget about Tyler Scott, by the way. That dude's played 25 snaps already. He's a rookie. <laughs> Think about that. He's, he's one of these. He's going to be elite one day. That boy is going to be so good. And then, I mean, Javon Dexter. 
Javon Dexter, dude. So here's what people don't know. Javon Dexter, when he was in college, his coaches were idiots. They used him wrong. We're going to use him right because we're the Bears and we know how to put people in positions to succeed. That's what we're known for. <laughs> He's 94th, 53 grade, but give him time. But you know who you got to really look out for is Zach Pickens. He's even better. He's got a 57 grade. He ranks 76th in the NFL. And then, as I said, Tyreek Stevenson was 86. So you got 76, 86, 94. That's a good start, though. That's a good start. I mean, you got to, you got to, it takes time. So the rookies, all told, rank 94th, 86, 76th. And then Darnell Wright, among tackles, ranks 31st. Rashawn ranks 21st. So the rookies are cooking. The free agents are cooking. I mean, man. You better watch out for Ryan Poles, man. Keep acting crazy. See what happens. How was that? Did I did I do a good job of representing the Chicago Bears? I feel like I did okay. That was that was one of the most cathartic things I've ever done on this podcast. Oh, I don't want to stop. I want to do that again. Can I just repeat that whole thing all over again? <laughs> that felt so good. They suck so much. This team is so pathetic. They are so freaking garbage. And I heard all the crap all year long about all these guys. Darnell Wright, Braxton Jones, Justin Fields, DJ Moore, Cole Komet, Chase Claypool, Darnell Mooney, Nate Davis. I also heard about Robert Tunyon, who has a 36th grade. They kept talking about him as some kind of a freaking weapon. Mercedes Lewis, who's actually graded quite well, but has only played 13 snaps. Oh yeah, we got Mercedes now. Tremaine Edmonds. TJ Edwards, Yannick Ngakwe, blah, 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 blah. They all suck. You'd think you'd accidentally get one, right? I mean, to be fair, Andrew Billings is looking real good. The problem with that is his highest grade right now is a 90 pass rush grade. No chance in the world does that stay that way. His whole thing is run defense. He has a 70 run defense grade, which I think is actually kind of low for him. But we'll see. I mean, maybe, who knows? Maybe Billings is going to be some elite pass rusher now. That ain't going to happen. But he was always a good player. I mean, as far as run defense goes, he was always solid. That was one of the few free agent acquisitions I was like, eh, I can't really knock that too much. But I'm sure they'll find a way to make him an abject failure also. Because this team is a joke. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. And my blame game goes to Matt Eberflus for this. Let me explain why. Chase Claypool last week didn't want to block. Reports come out that he's apologized to the team. Ryan Pohl says this morning that he had a talk with Chase Claypool about his effort, specifically on blocking. Justin Fields talked about the blocking to end the game on the presser after the game last week against the Packers. This week, he wants to show effort. Well, guess what, ladies and gentlemen? He doesn't have the technique or understanding of what he's supposed to do on that play, and that is to wait until the screen pass is thrown, and then you block. So that's you, Matt Eberflus, not having your team ready to play. And oh, guess what? You chose to have St. Brown inactive for the second week in a row, and he's the one guy on this team that knows how to block. And Justin Fields said he's the leader in the wide receiver room. You guys want to keep having meetings after every failed down in possession? Well, you don't have the leaders that can talk to the guys about what they're actually supposed to do. 
and it's just going to keep happening week after week after week. Matt Eberflus, this is on your watch. All of this stuff. Luke Getze, all of it. They're your assistant coordinators. They're your guys. Enough's enough. You don't know what you're doing. You don't have your team prepared. You're the one that decides, hey, Roshan Johnson breaks off 30. We're going to stop giving him the ball for the rest of the game. That's your watch. It's not just Luke Getze. All three of you bums can hit the road for all I care. I'm going to be sick of talking about it by week five. You're going to blame Matt Eberflus. What we're talking about here is a complete mental meltdown. I don't know what you're thinking. You know, you gave us one little teaser with the Lions, and then here you go back with the Bears, and I haven't heard a single thing about the, the Vikings. What's going on with that, man? Vikings are 0-2. Why aren't you making fun of them? All right, fair enough. Yeah, I refuse to believe the Tampa Bay team is a good team. I think they have some nice skill position players. I think their defense can do some things. But I'm not going to sit here and say, well, I think Tampa Bay now, after what I saw on Sunday, the Vikings didn't beat the Vikings. The Buccaneers did. No, the Vikings beat the Vikings. His team was not prepared. His team offensively looked like a gong show. The defense is Brian Flores' baby. Let's not make a mistake there. He doesn't get, like, okay, he finally got the hire right, but Brian Flores is the guy who cultivated and worked on that side of the ball. And it's not like they played this phenomenal game. I just, I'm not blaming them. But when you think about what didn't get fixed, everything Declan said about the offense, which is correct, and the fact that this team, as a unit, as an entire team, did not look prepared for the season opener at home against Tampa Bay when you have Philadelphia four days later. Worst game Kevin O'Connell has coached as a Vikings coach. Worst game ever. That was for the Tampa Bay one, but it's still a good clip. I'm trying. I, they're not as animated. I told you, they didn't come into this with confidence. I got a bunch of other clips, and it's it's it's, it's mild frustration. Just let one more loss, a couple more losses. We'll start getting some screaming. We'll be good. Actually, let me check one more channel. <laughs> I got one more I want to look for. Anyways, let's real quick uh, rip through a couple stats here. Looking at DVOA, which, you know, you can argue is not the best thing to look at this early in the season. They like to combine a lot of um, preseason projections and metrics in, I think, with a little bit of what they were last year mixed with what we're seeing this year. But it's still a metric, right? I mean, you can look at number two offense in football. This is like that, but just with a little bit more context. DVOA gets better as the season goes on because it just, well, it's intuitive. They have the Packers currently as the seventh best team. Now, considering the Packers were considered dog crap coming into this season, I would say that's positive. This isn't based off of like, well, they've, they won 13 games last year and everybody thought they were going to win the Super Bowl. So seventh is not that good. No, they, they had no expectations coming into the season. Looking at offensive rank, the Green Bay Packers, they have ranked as the sixth best offense in football. It's Miami, then San Francisco, then the Chargers, the Ravens, the Rams, and the Packers. Defense, they have ranked 11th, which is not great, but it's really not that bad. It's not what we want. We weren't happy or satisfied with what we saw last time. But for a team that we're saying, please at least be top 10 to be 11th after two weeks, I mean, you know, it ain't going to take too much to get over that hump and be 9th after this next week. I mean, it's going to take them being good, but I'm just saying. Special teams they actually have ranked fifth, which is a little bit surprising because they, you know, they haven't really done much. Granted, you, you bang all your field goals and your extra points, which I think there's been like one, two, I don't know. But still, I mean, it's that's it's good. That may have something to do with preseason projections, I, you know, because there's not much to go off of. I think what's really interesting, if you look at the offense, the Green Bay Packers have the sixth highest graded offense in football right now via DVOA. They rank 26th in rushing. They're number two in passing behind only the Miami Dolphins. Again, this is so backwards. 
This is so I'm I'm not complaining. This is a great thing. The the passing at least by many many metrics is doing quite well. Right? By some it's not, but by I would say most it's doing quite well. Way above expectations. With such low expectations for Jordan Love and this group of really young receivers and Christian Watson's out and half your offensive line is out and Aaron Jones is out, you don't really have expectations of being the second best passing attack in football. You don't expect to have the second most points scored in football. You expect to have low scoring with a really good defense. You expect to win like 13 to 10. It's crazy. And the defense again, 11th overall. They have the uh, pass defense 10th. The run defense, 17th, which I'm sure all of us assume that's just going to continue to plummet. They also have a thing called adjusted line yards, which looks at responsibility for offensive line and running backs in terms of yards gained. The Packers' offensive line, they have ranked 21st, which is better than I would have expected. The running backs, they have ranked 25th. They have a metric for how often you get stuffed at the line. The Packers rank 17th in that metric. Actually, I'm sorry, it's 20th. I was looking at the one behind it. Um, second level ability, 20th. In the open field, they rank 29th. Just nothing going well there. I think I mentioned this before, but they are, um, second in points. But if you look at, um, point differential, which is another pretty strong metric for how good your team actually is, they do rank sixth. They have a point differential of 17th, which actually, now that I, that I look at it, it's actually fifth. It's tied for fifth with the Browns. The only teams that are higher right now are the Ravens, the Bills, the 49ers, and the Cowboys. And again, you can tell how good a metric is by, you know, sort by it and see. Well, Cowboys, 49ers, Bills, Ravens, Browns, does that seem kind of decent? Maybe not the Browns, I don't know, but that's pretty decent power ranking right now. Offensive EPA per play, the Packers are fifth. EPA per pass, the Packers are second. Net EPA per play, this is looking at offense and defense, so sort of an overall grade based on EPA. The Packers rank as the eighth best team. I know it doesn't feel like it. It feels weird. It feels clunky. It's disappointing. The things that we thought should be good are not good. The defense we thought would be better. The run game should be better. Jordan Love seems to be missing passes. Like, you know, we got a bunch of injuries. Everything feels like the sky is falling. And there's every reason to believe that things will continue to regress. But there's also a reason to look at this and say, dude, we are currently a top 10 team by almost every single conceivable metric. With all of our good things not really happening yet. With with reason to believe that they shall. Aaron Jones will return. Hopefully soon. David Bakhtiari hopefully will return soon. Christian Watson hopefully will return soon. And then hopefully we get a return back to like, you know, better performances from some of our key players. Hopefully jo- uh, Jordan Love gets on a, on a the same page with some of those guys. Hopefully some of these things start to open up once we get Christian Watson back and spread out the field. Hopefully, hopefully, hopefully. The point is we're eighth and yeah, it could get worse. It also could get better. And this is not a bad start. For a team where you're looking at it and going, hey, the best thing of this team right now is the passing. That is the best team. It's better than the running. It's better than the run defense. It's better than the pass defense. The one thing that all of us were worried about is the best thing about this team. And there's every reason to believe the defense and the run game could, would, should get better. We'll see. We'll see. I think the, the Saints could end up being a little bit of a tough uh, opponent. I'm always scared of the Saints. Maybe I shouldn't be. We'll start to turn our attention to them um, sooner than later. But, I mean, that's not bad, man. Anyways, I'm going to leave you guys with that. Have a good rest of your day. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.